another world, another time, in the age of wonder. You are listening to Trial by Stone. Trial by Stone! Dea, Tea, Dara, Tea. Your vital essence, the Dark Crystal. Kida, Kida. Come, come, see for yourself. Aru, Garu. How very interesting. Dea, Tea. I feel the song of Thra in my heart. Now go, you heroes of Thra. Hello and welcome to Trial by Stone. This is the Dark Crystal podcast. I'm your host, Philip. And I'm Jamie. And today we are up to, we're up to episode 10, Jamie. The, like talking about the last episode um, as part of this podcast. And I mean, before we get into it, unfortunately, um, Ethan, he couldn't be part of, uh, you know, with this episode. Um, just wanted to let you all know about it. It's just going to be us two talking about this episode, um, but I think we'll definitely certainly be hearing from him um, in future shows. I mean, we'll definitely, <laughs> we'll, because I feel like, it, it, you know, all the time, Jamie, that every time we do these podcasts that I feel like we'll, we're just at the tip of the iceberg, essentially, and that there's so much that goes on with each episode of the show. Oh, yeah. I mean, there'll be so there'll be hours of discussion for like puppetry and puppeteers and interviews and making of and so many things. Oh, my gosh, it's going to be crazy. And hopefully if we get an episode or season two, we'll be swamped. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, as of uh, we're recording, you know, this podcast, I mean, we still haven't heard anything about season two. Been hearing things here and there, but, you know, we just nothing's been sort of officially confirmed yet. So it'll be really interesting to see, you know, if season two does happen. But I think like I like we kind of speculated, I think in the episode eight, uh, round table show that yeah definitely sort of leaning towards the anniversary of the original film or possibly by january um that we might get possibly get an announcement it's just a wait and see for sure yeah yeah i i my right now i'm thinking it's going to be december 17th that they'll announce a new season but who knows you know it's just the way that netflix works like you know they don't really they, they take their time sometimes you know with um announcing things and granted they have a lot of like they always have a lot of films and TV shows like in, in development or like in the works with Netflix and Age of Resistance is just, you know, potentially just one of the many out there. So it's just, um, yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see what happens when it does. So we are up to episode 10, which the episode is called A Single Piece Was Lost, which is actually interesting because what I liked about, because I, I mean, I love like all these titles for each episode, but I think we'll definitely get into this like later on in the show, but um, it definitely, it, it is probably a bit, a bit of a hint, you know, <laughs> with, with the title of that episode. I think it was, we get to like later on discussing about the show. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It sort of tells you what it's about. Sort of. I mean, it's kind of what it's about, but not really. And, and just a heads up for our listeners, you know, if you're listening to this to the first time, like th- this is, you know, we're talking spoilers. Uh, and now that we're up to episode 10, we're going to cover pretty much the whole show, like all, you know, this episode and, but also of the whole show in general. So just wanted to, you know, give you the heads up if you, if you're new to the podcast and well, if you are new, um, definitely listen to all our, to all our previous episodes, um, all our after shows with the dark crystal age of resistance and all the interviews that have been sprinkled in between. So it's, it's been yeah, really cool. Let's start talking about this episode. And I think probably one of the big things 
that that I really noticed in this episode was sort of the use of hands, you know, especially at the start when we're seeing like Deet and, you know, she's grabbing, you know, all these things like, you know, from sticks and mud and to try and like create these like bombs and just seeing like the close-ups of like the hands, just the use of her hands, like, you know, making uh, these bombs. Um, it was pretty cool because it was something that we haven't really, I mean, we have seen girlflings like use hands like in dream fasting or you know or, or see you know we see them use hands like every now and then but it seemed like it was really cool just to see like close-ups of them like actively you know doing stuff um or even like uh Rian, who's like reading bria's journal for example like yeah i i agree it's you have you know we're on episode 10 and it's the big huge what everyone believes is kind of going to be a fight or a battle and it opens very intimately with hands with them making with them learning and uh yeah it's just a really it's a great way to open the show for sure and i mean it was one of the things like i mean watching the show so many times now one of the things i I did notice a lot in like some of the early episodes is more it's more in particular with the background um characters that you know, when they move, like the arms don't like, you know, sway or move a lot. Like it's, they're pretty like, you know, a bit stationary sort of at times, but you know, I mean, that's, that's the thing like puppetry, like I can imagine just the uh, amount of work and just the challenges, you know, to, you know, with all the aspects of puppetry. But, but I thought like, you know, the start of this episode was just a great showcase of, um, yeah, of, of the hands in hands in motion i guess you know with uh in particular like with this last episode of um the dark crystal age of resistance and it really showcases how detailed everything is how much love and care went into everything and i know we'll talk about this over and over we talked about this in relationship to the original film just the craftsmanship the artistry everything that went into developing and executing a show like this it's really fully on display in the last episode and again you know you see deet's arm reach up for moss and she grabs it and so that's a puppeteer right there there's a puppeteer probably moving the fingers to grasp the moss there's a puppeteer moving the arm while someone does the fingers maybe that's a one-two thing i'm not really sure but in every frame in every moment of of, of the show that we see, I want to say the film, cause I feel like it's one big story. Um, there's so much work. There's so much work and rehearsal and the set pieces and, you know, uh, people with their arms extended over their heads to bring these puppets to life. It's really, it's really magical. I've been reading, um, the book, the making of book called the return to Thra. I can't remember the, the official name of the book. Um, but it's, it's really just a great entryway into, or and and it's sort of an anecdote. It's like a an anecdote to, or yeah, to like the the documentary. So it takes you even more into the development of the show where it started, and so watching that and watching episode ten or just the whole show really, but certainly episode ten just gives you a real deep appreciation for all the work that uh, everybody um, contributed to this amazing masterpiece of a show. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, especially like the, you know, the battle scenes that we sort of get like a, towards the end of this episode is, uh, yeah, just pretty incredible. And I think it's just something that we'd have never imagined that we would see, you know, something like this <laughs> for, you know, for a 10 hour Dark Crystal, you know, puppet series. It's, it's, it's been a pretty surreal moment just like 
just seeing all seeing all these characters being brought to life and you know yeah as a sort of you know as a gelfling sort of about you know to go battle with the uh with the skexies and and like you know there's always like little details that i actually liked you know within the show like i think there was a moment like early on when i think rian was talking to d it's like oh you know i'd like to go back to the caves of grot with you sometime and you know all that kind of stuff and there's a moment where it's like when he he tries to hold hands with um with d you can actually hear like you really i mean you can like hear like a heart you know the heartbeat from from deet you know sort of i guess as sort of with that moment i mean especially like with the darkening you know within her and then being worried about that accidentally transfer the darkening into him that you know the reason that that woman that she retracts and stuff but i mean just little details like that like i really liked watching these shows so many times it's like oh these little details it's like they really put a lot of work in, into that. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. And because it's puppetry and everything is essentially artificial, they have to ensure that every moment, every movement feels right. It doesn't, it's not uncanny Valley. It's not like it doesn't throw you off. It doesn't take you out. And, uh, as, as we wrap this, this after show, I suppose of each episode, one thing that I've noticed as I've been watching The Mandalorian, and I don't want to get into it like we did before, but I just one thing that I love about Age of Resistance is that every episode just builds upon itself. Nothing is weak. Nothing falls. There's not an episode where like, oh, that was weaker than the episode before. There's none of that. Now there might be a couple things that I might like. Oh, okay, that could have been a little bit different, but. On the whole, the show is amazing. Every episode gets better and better and better and more rich, and you're discovering new worlds over and over, and the writing is just up to par. And as I was watching The Mandalorian, for me, a couple of episodes, the last episodes, are falling apart a little bit. It's not, it doesn't look as rich, it doesn't feel as cinematic, um, the, the writing isn't as good, the casting is a little bit off. And I was thinking about that, like, man, the Dark Crystal doesn't fall into any of those. Age of Resistance continues and ends on a very high note, which we can talk about, um, because I don't even feel like the end of the show is the end of the show. It doesn't feel like an ending. It just feels like the ending of an, e- of an episode. But the end is really just the beginning of like things to come. It's, you know, all, this whole journey that that's been happening, like with, with all these characters, it's just, yeah, it's really just the beginning. And I think like, I don't know whether this is something where, I mean, with Dark Crystal is just, I mean, that's the thing like that I love about the show is, yeah, there's just such a great balance between all the different characters and all the different plots. I mean, and especially like, I mean, even with, um, uh, in episode seven, for example, with the whole puppetry, um, show, and that was written by, uh, Javier. And that was actually, he, there was that announcement, I think from the Writers Guild, the WGA, that his epi- that episode was nominated, um, for, for an award, you know, I think in the writing category for um uh for i think for uh children's episodic and specials yeah yeah which is awesome so i i mean just want to send congratulations to him um because i mean that episode i mean that i mean that was like one of my favorite episodes but also i mean that episode like itself was a bit of a risk especially with doing the puppet within a puppet show yeah with that scene it's like it could have been something that could have not have worked at all but it did like and it was so magical and um yeah it just holds up so well 
it is complex. It's not an easy episode. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of exposition happening. We're hearing about the creation of Thra again, more. There's so much information and it was written really well. I mean, again, I'll never forget feeling a little bit at odds with that episode initially, but then I was like, Oh no, this is, this is amazing. Yeah. I I think when I watched it for the first time, I think, I don't know. I just somehow, yeah, seemed to fall in love, like especially with Skekra and, and Ergo. And I just, um, I'm just like, yeah, you know, we're in for a good ride with these two characters uh, throughout the episode. So it was, so yeah, again, I want to send the congratulations to Javier. And I think um, he's up against, you know, he's nominated alongside with people who uh, I think from some, from other shows like Family Reunion and um, Alexa and KT. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, and certainly hope, wish wish him all the best for that as well, um, which is which is really, really cool. And I mean, it has been good at least um, that Dark Crystal has sort of been, you know, as the year is ending, it's sort of been in that sort of, in the top list of you know tv shows of the year i mean there's i mean that's the thing like you know talking about mandalorian but there's been so many shows that have been coming out this year and it's been good that at least um dark crystal is still still up there you know in the top you know as a, the best shows of the year and um definitely deserves it but that's for sure yeah oh for sure yeah i mean just beyond it's it's really and truly a thing of wonder and i'm probably gonna bore everyone to tears as much as I say this about the show, but it is, there is nothing like the show. It is every inch of it is a miracle and it looks and feels like the original. It doesn't feel like, I mean, I know they use digital. They didn't use film. They use digital, but it doesn't look digital. It looks like film. It's just sublime. And uh, yeah, it's definitely in top, top 10 for the year and probably top five for the decade. I would think. Yeah, I, I did. Yeah, that, I definitely agree with that. I mean, even for myself, like, yeah, it's just, um, just, just so incredible. I mean, we could just keep talking about the show and just how how fantastic it is. But we'll definitely get back into talking about episode ten. One of the things that was so intriguing was the scene with um with Skekso and Skekfar, and you know they're talking about like the about you know if they dreams and you know if they have dreams and stuff, and that I think Skekfar sort of says about that. He, he remembers suffering and he remembers guilt and and sorrow and and i think they're definitely like talking about what you know, i guess essentially like their time like as Urskex, i guess you know when they were sort of when they got sent to thra because i think it was something to do with his hearsay or something like that that sort of caused them all to sort of go to thra and and pretty much spend that being in on thra for thousand of years essentially so yeah just you know just sort of getting these night you know these little sort of details i think about the earth geeks i guess in, in that respect so i thought that was a, a pretty sort of interesting moment yes i would agree that uh, that is a really uh wonderful moment and it seems to hint of there's more these skexies are just they're more than just these evil characters they're so they've succumbed to the worst sort of like the worst habits, the worst of human habits. And, but there's a little hint of something more. Like, do you remember when we, almost like they're remembering the, the angels of their better nature, but that's not who they are. They don't want to remember it. Those are like nightmares to them. Yeah. It's a really, really uh, transcendent poignant moment um, in the middle of these, of this dynamic between very terrifying characters yeah because i mean that that's the thing like you know they do not want to be reunited or 
at all like because they're just completely dark and evil that that you know they just want to you know rule the land of thra essentially and yeah yeah so i thought that was you know pretty cool just seeing you know the darkening sort of getting to that little crystal of his with the staff you know again you know so many things that happens in this episode like i'd have to say i mean i don't know whether we might we might as well talk about the fight scene in episode 10 or the on the montage i think the montage was like one of my sort of favorite moments within the um uh the show like just the whole montage just worked really well you know going back and forth between you know between the skexies as they're sort of getting ready but also um and also like with the gelflings as well i thought that was a really yeah just a really decent montage that sort of going back and forth between between the heroes and and the villains of course yeah yeah and there's so many things happening uh first of all on a technically speaking it seems like episode 10 is the most complex because you have, you know, Gelflings flying all over and dropping bombs or whatever those things are that they're dropping. Um, so there's sort of a, a, a clash between Skeksis and Gelflings. And then you have what's going on with uh, the general and the Chamberlain and the general gets hurt and you have this intrigue and, political there's a political subplot happening as well where even during the midst of this war between skexis and gelflings the chamberlain is still trying to vie for top spot he's trying to accomplish his own means um and and then you know the, but the larger picture is the gelflings believing that they have to save their world and the, for the time being there's no one coming to help them they're all there alone and they're just doing what they can do. And, you know, of course the, you have Farah and Brea and Deet and some of the other, uh, Gelfling females flying overhead and trying to attack the Skeksis. It's just, there's so much going on. And then of course you also have Deet who's has the power of the, the tree, but it's also the power of the darkening. What does that mean for her? And we see that sort of play out and it frightens her. She doesn't really know what's happening to her. I mean, there's just so much. And then, of course, the, the reveal of Agra. There's so much. And they they portray it beautifully. It's executed just perfectly. It doesn't feel complicated. But it's not. I mean, it, it was. It's so. it would been, have been so easy for them to have told the story of the Age of Resistance like you're talking to a child. Very simplistic. Very like, and then... Augur appears, you know what I mean? Like, but they didn't do that. They decided, no, we can be complex. We can deepen the mythology. And it is, I mean, it's every time we talk about the show, every time we come on to record, I can, I'm so excited to jump back into it because so much is going on, but it, it is really, it is just a technical Marvel and a writing Marvel. Like, especially with this battle scene, like, yeah, they just talk in that making of book like they just talk about that that just took them a long time like like weeks and weeks and i think i think when i had um neil on the show I, they would always sort of take turns like they probably do almost like a week or so of you know as the skexies and then they swap over to the gelflings and yeah just the amount of work that really went into um you know with the fight scene but the cool thing is is like even though with with the battle and stuff the battle like is all driven by you know the characters or, or you know, the stories you know like especially like you know have a moment like where when skekok you know when um he swings sort of his axes sort of behind his back and and hits uh farah 
and then we actually yeah get get a moment between like Farah and Saladon, like just just that character developments that, and and we see like you know the battle that's happening in the background. So I actually like really enjoy that sort of you know, all these sort of character developments throughout each um, episode, but also in this battle as well. It's 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 pretty incredible stuff. Yeah, where you're right. I mean, there there there's a battle happening, but there's also character development happening too. That's very difficult thing to accomplish and the show takes some risks the filmmakers the writers louie everyone involved there's risks they kill off some really important and wonderful characters of course uh one of those characters being farah and then tavra the episode before it's and uh it, it hurts and it, it's it, it it's difficult to watch that but Great wars have great costs, unfortunately. And when you decide that you're going to stand up and do the right thing, especially in the context of an actual battle, people are going to get killed on both sides. And we saw people get killed. And unfortunately, like with the general, the general was killed at Skaxil's hand, not at Gelfling's hands. I mean, Gelfling's started it. Skaxil finished it. You know, it's just like, well, I, I wanted my seat back sort of thing. And this is for what you did to me, you know, early on in, in the show. So, but yeah, I mean, that was sort of like a, yeah, that sort of the payoff that we got, like with, um, so Skeksil, the Chamberlain sort of, you know, he, he got, he pretty much got everything he wanted and yeah, he was able to sort of, yeah, strike the general. And it was really cool. Like seeing all with Skekvar, just like the way he, um, uh, disintegrated sort of thing, you know, turning to dust, uh, very much like, yeah, with the original film as we, you know, with the emperor, um, that he turns to dust. Yeah, so I think it's just like, because I hadn't seen how they kind of died for a very long time. So it was definitely, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty, sh- like, I don't think Chamberlain wasn't that deterred, but he was like, oh, okay, that's interesting about the whole turning to dust. But yeah, it was it was a pretty, pretty cool moment. Um, it was, that fact that they did, they stayed true to how the emperor died in the original film. And a more surprising and shocking way i mean that death scene was horrifying um but yeah again just the technical wizardry behind them trying to figure that out and how to do this i mean i i feel like these people should win an award just for the effort of the film or of the show it's it is i will not stop going on about how amazing it is and how much work these people put in and it's different with the original film obviously they had five to seven years to develop and work out how they're going to create all of these things. These people had about two years and they had less production time. So they were making all of these puppets, building these sets, writing, casting, shooting, all of these things happening within essentially probably more like a year and a half. It's impossible what they did. It is absolutely impossible. And they did it. And it's a masterpiece. I'm sorry I keep saying this, people, but I, I, the more we get away from it, the more we walk away, or not walk away from it, but I feel like the more it sits with me and like I'll turn it on Netflix for a second just to watch whatever, and I'm like, holy cow, this is amazing. And just every episode, there's always just something there that, you know, to discover. And again, it's just, it's just so incredible. I know, again, we just keep going on about just how incredible. And I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing how well, you know, with the awards, like with, especially in 2020. And I know, I mean, we, we just sort of got that as a start with Javier, with, um, with the Writers Guild Awards um, that's going to be happening. So yeah, I certainly, certainly hope that um, Dark Crystal gets a lot more uh, recognition uh, for awards, whether it's for Emmys or 
other sort of television streaming awards, you know, whatever that may be. So it's, it'd be really cool to see. Um, yeah, definitely. And like one, one, one of the things I actually, you know, while all this battle is happening, I actually love that, um, you know, sort of Skek Tech had to stay behind, um, <laughs> that he, you know, had his body, uh, his, um, armor sort of like all organized. He was like, you know, wanted to, to come and help out and, and the Skeks is like, nah, I, I want, you know, we need you to stay back and, and just work on this, um, you know, a Rathom, you know, try and create this new sort of creature, that sort of thing. And one of the funny moments was definitely when, um, he was sort of <laughs> sitting on the, on the throne, the, well, the emperor's throne essentially. And just, um, yeah, just sort of ha having fun, you know, it was like, you know, getting the podlings to keep playing music and yeah, yeah. I thought that was a, such a, just a fun little moment there, um, with Skek Tech. Yeah, yeah, it was it was an interesting dynamic that was going on where they it was almost demeaning, like, no, you stay here. Like, we don't think you're prepared for this. They really kept him in his place. And it really, again, showcased the hierarchy within the Skeksis. They're the rulers of Thra, so they say, but even within that system, they have a hierarchy. They they have sort of who's in control, which is the emperor, which is funny. He calls himself the emperor but he's not like really the emperor of much. He's the emperor of the castle. It's just, a, it's just a moniker. It's just a title. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, and, and everything. And like, then you have like the Grunax and their plot and their, you know, the sadness that you see in them. And then they're, they're essentially killed. Although were they killed in episode nine or were they killed in episode 10? I think it was episode 10. You have all of these things happening. Yeah. We are able to feel sadness and loss and empathy for these grunaks who don't speak who are all emotion in their faces and we see what happens to them you don't know too much about who they are and so you're feeling all of these things i mean episode 10 is so emotional there's so much happening um in the dynamic of the castle and then in the dynamic of what's going on in stone in the wood and then you have of course the whole skek mall irva thing happening at the same time and so you don't know really what's going to happen you don't know if you don't know if the heroes are going to make it or not i was just sort of looking at that scene like with um with skek tech and you know he's getting the the podlings to play music and bring food and one thing i didn't like i didn't really think about too much till i you know re-watching re it but i actually like like with skek mal um how it's displayed that he's pretty much also like he's pretty much displayed like a marionette puppet like with all the strings that are sort of attached to him and like, even though it's sort of like a, you know, well, it's sort of like a cagey sort of, you know, display, but it's actually done up like, like as if he's a marionette puppet essentially, which I thought that was a, that was actually a pretty cool nod, you know, another sort of like a puppetry nod that I thought, Oh, that, wow, that's, that's actually pretty cool. So I, I really like that. But yeah, I mean, you know, talking about like with the death of the, um, the Grunax. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that, that was, that was, that was, uh, yeah, it was a pretty, pretty intense moment, you know, as a Grunax, they're trying to escape the, um, uh, you know, I think once they saw like a sharp claw that they were trying to use that to sort of remove like the sewing, you know, from their, uh, lips sort of thing to be able to talk. And, um, but then they sort of end up being caught by Skek Tech and, just and yeah it's just a pretty shocking like yeah once he throws like one of the grunex like into the fire which was yeah it was again sort of a bit of a nod you know to to the first film and also i guess in a way you know well we all know that's 
how Skektek's going to go down uh, in many, many years later. So yeah, I so thought that was a bit of a yeah. nod to that. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, where he kills a creature and then eventually, obviously, we know the creature the creatures kill him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, just that bit of that irony there, and and I, yeah, and I know like this was something that um you know th- this death of the Grunak was um that Skektek he just pretty much like clobbers him. And I thought it was pretty good that the way it was shot that, you know, that they, it was this off screen essentially. And you're just seeing that, that little creature who's just witnessing to it all and just being like terribly shocked. And, and then you're seeing the, the blood just like, you know, from the Grunak just, just hitting him. Yeah. Like that was like, wow. You know, that, that was something, a brutal thing that I think, you know, seeing, you know, Skektek, you know, killing a Grunak and, but then realizing he sort of figures out a way that an idea is, you know, for, for the, um, to integrate the Grunaks into the Aratham. And, the, and then, uh, you know, he, the way the scene ends with his maniacal laughing and yeah, it's just such a, yeah, it was a pretty, pretty intense moment. Like, you know, wondering, you know, whether the Grunaks are going to escape at all, but unfortunately they don't. What is your what is your uh, opinion on like I want to talk about the dual glaive for a minute and I know that there's been some talk about so this dual glaive is supposed to set the Gelflings free and Skekmal does quick work to that quickly and of course we discovered that inside the dual glaive is the shard and so the dual the dual glaive didn't seem that relevant or unbeatable at all. And, but it was talked about for a, a while in the show as the dual glaive, the dual glaive, let's get it, let's get it, we have it. And it didn't seem like it went over as well as it should have, or was it never intended to be this powerful weapon? Because it was made out to be this really powerful weapon, and it wasn't powerful whatsoever. Now what's in it is powerful, the the, the shard. Um, but I, I was curious, just because there's been some people talking about it, I, I'm curious what, what your opinion is of it yeah I'm, i mean that, that was a shocking thing within the episode like the moment like with skekmal yeah when he grabs the sword and just sort of just destroys it so easily you know considering you know, that, that we hear about how you know the sword w- was made you know from the fires of thra and like it seemed like such a mystical you know the supernatural magical weapon that like it couldn't easily be destroyed that sort of thing yeah i know it's it's, it's one of those weird things where it's like i i don't know what to make out of it because it's just so weird that yeah like when it got destroyed that yeah it was really shocking or whether it's just skeks skek miles and all you know the strength of the skeksis yeah it, it, i know it, it's so it, it it is a weird thing like I, i'm like i'm like yeah i was i was really like i will say i was really surprised like seeing that sword like just being broken and smashed like quite easily and i mean that's the thing whether like whether the weapon if it really mattered at all really if it's just about you know just just hiding the shard there and yeah trying to um yeah yeah it it is such a strange thing yeah yeah for me what's going to be interesting is you know obviously the shard was hidden in the dual glaive there's a story behind that how did that shard get into the dual glaive i mean we know that maybe it was fashioned but how did the shard get into the hands of the wanderer and the conqueror and it, you know, but it wasn't really in their hands. It sort of was, but then they made it, and it, the Gelflings had a piece of it in the caves of Grot, and then in Stone in the Wood. 
I just the 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 shard is almost like it reminds me of the Deathly Hollows or uh, the wand, like the the Elder Wand. There's so much mystery behind the 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 journey of this of this thing, like the One Ring, almost like who has had it. Where is it being passed down to? And then, of course, it gets lost and then eventually ends up in Augur's hands. But I don't know. She she just doesn't know or she doesn't know which one is which. Um, but I, I there's there's so much potential in the story of the Shard right there. I mean, that's it's going to be – hopefully they talk about it. Again, I think that there's a balance of of not revealing too much. But I think the Shard, like, for, you know, if there's a second season – I don't think I don't really need to know too much about Jane Care's parentage. I don't think that it's that important in the long run who her, who their parents are. I think what's important is the actual story and what happens to the Gelfling uh, during the the Gartham Wars, if that's something that they're going to tackle and where that's going to go. But I think the shard and the mystery behind the shard and the mystery behind the the Wall of Destiny, which wasn't touched at all. In Age of Resistance, to me, those are the driving things for a season two. I, I, I and I, w- I could not recommend enough that the writers leave the pair, the the lineage of Jen and Kara alone. Maybe a couple things here and there, leave it alone. Let some questions be unanswered. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, like definitely, you know, you could potentially like have hints here and there, but yeah, it doesn't doesn't necessarily need to be explained like directly, sort of thing. But yeah, I mean, that was a uh, you know, I, again, I'm just like thinking about, you know, with this dual glaive and just how easily destroyed it was. And I don't know whether, whether the whole message, I guess, of the show is like, well, the shard is the ultimate weapon. Like, like they don't need swords or anything like that. It's like, well, we, we've got the, sh- we've got the shard. We got the most powerful thing that they can use to save their world. Yeah. That was the thing like with, um, uh, yeah, with the whole show, like I was really surprised that we didn't get the the wall of destiny or um the gelfling gathering um or you know the creation of sort of the prophecy that was one thing i was like oh you know like watching the show for the first time and once episode 10 finished up i'm like oh wow we didn't didn't get this wall of destiny or yeah those couple little things so but overall it's like yeah so i'm like looking forward to seeing how they'll possibly incorporate that into season two with that and also with the uh the gartham wars uh, I think, which is going to be really exciting to see how that will evolve, like over the show. And that that was a big thing, like with watching this episode. I was um probably the the shocking moment for me was, you know, as we see uh, uh, Skekmal when he returns to grab Rian and and he's pretty much like out, you know, front stage essentially, and you know, about to you know, trying to to kill to kill Rian, you know, hold holding him by the head and. But then, like, once we were cutting back and forth, like, especially seeing Irva, um, you know, as he sort of gets up, I didn't realize what was about to happen until pretty much, like, the very end when he, you know, made the drop and essentially sort of sacrificed his life. And before so, like, he was saying about, like, he said, he, you know, I had a dream that I was the one that became two, that became one again. I looked through my dark half's eyes and knew Olgra was right and the, you know the hunt must end and now we shall see what lies at the dream's end like for me like that was a shocking moment like seeing him like like falling down sort of at, at the edge of my seat i will say that that scene is really poignant and powerful when irva decides to 
sacrifice his life. He understands that something is happening that's going to be terrible. And then they're cutting back and forth between Skekmal having Rianne in his hand. And it looks like his skull's about to be crushed. And I remember watching the scene for the first time and thinking, holy cow, what are they about to do? They're going to crush this Gelfling's skull? So And everyone's going to see it? Like, you think that's what's going to happen. You feel like Rianne will not make it out alive. And Skekmal or Irva knows Something has to happen, and it's beautiful what he's doing. And it's not a bloody death. He disappears, much like uh, Jen's master, his mystic master in the first one. It's a very beautiful, direct sacrifice to save the life of Gelflings. And uh, Skekmal is a terrible, terrible creature. There's not much of him that's worthwhile, if at all. With the other Skeks, he's you see a little bit more going on. There's a little bit, they're just a little bit, they're, they're bad, but they're less bad. And, uh, so there's, they, they seem a tad bit more redeemable if that's possible. There's nothing like that with Skekmal. And, uh, that, that moment, um, where, you know, especially you have Hup watching and Hup can't really believe what he's seeing. And we, the audience also with Hup are watching this unfold and we can't believe. And then in this horrible, in this, horrible sacrifice of Skekmal or of Irva, then you have this rebirth of Agra. So there's this, and it's the, the three becoming one again, where Irva dies, Skekmal dies, and Agra is reborn. So it's just, there's a beautiful symmetry going on there at the same time. I mean, that, that was such a big surprise. Like, um, oh, not, not so much a surprise because I mean, for me, like we we're watching episode nine, I was really shocked about how Olga sort of disappeared and you know for me I'm just thinking oh how is she going to come back and then when she does it's such a magical moment just where she just is reborn pretty much within Skekmal and it just sort of comes out like that and and then all the Skeksis are just like just so shocked about that and also like thinking about even like with her being um reborn like just you know just thinking about like you know she's reborn in the same state that she was in essentially you know she still has her blind eye and and all that kind of stuff i thought like oh you know it's being reborn you know whether she'd get her eye fixed up again so i thought that was sort of um well no which is which is cool just you know for her being reborn in exactly the same way as she was before like like appearance wise like you know nothing has changed which is yeah which is really interesting in that respect yeah yeah uh, maybe uh it it sort of makes sense i mean i don't the re- uh, unless I mean I haven't read the books because I don't do the EU. Um, but did she have her eye in like, um, in what's that first book? Um, Legends of what is it called? What's that? Bur- the first book, mythology legends. Oh, creation, creation myths. Myth, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <it's>, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, there was a backstory where it's like, you know, she had her eye and then she lost her eye once. You know, she looked at the um staring i think into the suns or essentially you know when the earth geeks arrived and that's how she lost her eye or both her eyes were pretty badly damaged but they were only able to fix one of them and the other one her right eye was sort of permanently damaged but you know it was just something i just thought about like you know, you know being reborn whether but you know it's just sort of yeah so I, I just thought it was a pretty yeah interesting sort of thing but it was pretty cool yeah to have her return and just the skexies is just like so shocked you know just fun lines like you know you know i may be newborn but i'm still <laughs> i'm but i'm still really old and yeah yeah where i don't think she i think she's 
it doesn't almost seem like she was reborn. It's almost like she just reappeared. Thra just uh, manifested her again, as opposed to an actual birth. It was more of a manifestation, which is very different than a birth. Um, and people can characterize what happened with the death of Skekmal and Irva to the birth of Agra, but it's almost—it's really the reappearance of Agra in a different state again. And you can you can relate that to Gandalf's re, reappearance in the Two Towers, where he's the same Gandalf, but he's different. He's reappeared in a different, in a bit of a little bit of a different form, a little bit altered in his thinking, but it's the same Gandalf. It's the same type of thing. Yeah, no, it was just really cool that now that she's back and it just sort of gets to the point where, um, you know, all the Gelfling clans managed to um, arrive in time, pretty much surround the Skeksis and the Skeksis all decide to, to retreat and it just sort of became like sort of the, the first sort of big victory for the Gelflings, you know, which was, which was really great. I guess, you know, we might as well talk about sort of, I guess, with the Shard. I mean, that, that was such a big surprise sort of towards the end that, when Bria, you know, when she sees the shard that was in that jewel glaive, I think that was like, cause you know, in stories like we thought, oh, you know, it might be, might be a tricky thing to find the shard, you know, in previous stories that there was some stories about, I think with Olga and Ron Epp, like they spent a long time trying to find the true shard. And, but it was, it was pretty neat to, to, to tie the shard in with the show. No, I, I think that you're right. And what is happening there is it's a setup for, whatever story season two is going to be. And uh, again, uh, as an anecdote, I will say that I think it's going to be, if there is a season two, it'll be a final season. Like there's only going to be two seasons. It's going to be limited. And we are, they introduce the story of the shard and the shard is going to take center stage. And we see in this series, Deet's visions or dreams of Rianne on the, on the crystal itself with the shard, some things that are happening. I think, season two will really be about the story of the shard and the mythology of it. And it will become the one ring in some ways. Very, very different. I mean, the, the similarity is you have this one thing that can heal the land. And of course, with the Lord of the Rings, it's this one thing that you, you destroy it and it heals it. You know, it will heal middle earth. Whereas with Thra and the Gelflings, it's the reverse of that. If they can use it to heal something, their their land will be healed. Um, it's, I, I like how the, I like the interplay on that. Um, but clearly, clearly, season two is going to be about the de- the wall of destiny, the prophecy, the shard, and who's going to heal it. What are they going to do? What's the shard for? And I think we're at the time of of age of resistance. You know, Bray is very smart. She's very read up on history and all sorts of things. She's going to know we got to heal this thing based off the story. They were, were shown via the puppetry show in episode seven. These Gelfling know that they have to heal the crystal. They just don't know when. And I think it's going to be about when and timing and Gartham and the urgency that this isn't a battle. We're going to win these these Gartham because we see like the last in in episode 10 we see the Gartham or that one Gartham appear on the you know the the balcony and he seems far more faster and 
sinister than the Gartham that we see in the original film, which seem a little bit slower, a little bit less less threatening. Still threatening, but not as much as the one that we see that's pure darkening. Um, and so what I think is going to happen is these Gelfling are going to start just dying in numbers. And Brea and everyone is going to realize we don't have it. We've got to do this soon. We've got to heal this crystal fast. We, we won't survive. Um, but then it might be left up to fate. Like maybe they end up, who knows, if they end up dying, they're like, well, I thought we were supposed to, isn't this, I can even see like you have this prophecy and they, they know, oh, the Gelfling, this is the prophecy of the Gelfling. This is what's supposed to happen. And then all of these events happen that are essentially preventing them. And then they're thinking, well, why do we even have this prophecy if we're all almost dead? What's the even point of this? How is this even going to happen if we can't heal it until a conjunction? We're all going to be dead before then. And so that's something they're going to be up up against as well. So there's so much to explore. There's so much. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, like, I mean, the season, I think that was a cool thing. Like, I mean, in season one, like, I mean, I mean, they could have easily done all these big ideas. And I mean, especially I think original like season one was just going to be almost like the full complete story. And I'm really glad that they really took their time to really um, develop the characters, get to know about the world and just, you know, have, you know, the end of the show sort of lead up to all the Gelflings uniting and they're going to do something about it. They've got the shard and um, they're going to do what they can to save the world, which I mean, you know, and as a prequel, we're like, well, you know, we know it doesn't work out because of what we know from the film. But I think there's still a lot of mystery up there, you know, about, with the Gelflings, you know, whether they all get wiped out or whether some do happen to survive, but they just like, you know, either they go out on boats or go somewhere else to sort of, you know, wait for the time to be right, you know, that sort of thing. So, um, there's going to be a lot of moments. I think, um, a lot of like ideas and stories like for season two, that is, is going to be really something. Yeah. And, and so, and I guess, I mean, that's the thing, like sort of thinking about, what happened to some of the characters and I'm, um, you know, it makes me think about Deet and how, I mean, she was able to use the darkening to sort of deflect the darkening that was coming from Skexo from his uh, crystal uh, that went towards the Galflings, but she was able to sort of hold that darkening and attack them in, in response. And uh, it was sort of a, it was sort of sad that the way that it ended that, um, that she was just sort of headed off to the forest, I think to the endless forest, just being isolated uh, from all, all the Galflings and, and, and Rian's trying to find her and, and Rian does, but then Deet sort of walks away from it all. So that's going to be really interesting to see what's going to happen with Deet in season two, whether she's going to be forever isolated or whether she's going to have her own sort of journey. I mean, like sort of thinking about with her going to the forest, like whether she's going to try and like, I don't know, like, talking to trees you know to all these because there are these like these big trees of thra and the sanctuary trees one of them and there's many other trees like throughout thra that whether she's going to you know commune with them or yeah it's it's gonna be really interesting it's sort of like i just don't know what what to expect really with deet like i don't know whether she's gonna make it out if she somehow you know decides to transfer the darkening but i kind of feel like even though you, you're transferring the darkening, you're still going to have the darkening with within yourself. It's yeah. So that's going to be pretty interesting to see what, what's going to happen with Deet in season two, which I know I had a lot of fans like really, you know, sad and concerned for her. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh, again, I think 
the tragedy of Deet really is set up for season two. And uh, Deet reminds me of, again, Lord of the Rings in a quote from Galadriel to Frodo when she says, to carry a ring of power is to be alone. And I think that is exactly what Deet is going through. She has been gifted this small, wonderfully kind, gentle creature has been endowed with some horrible power and incredibly um, immense power. And I think she's scared of herself. You can see it in her eyes. I mean, again, testament to the puppetries or to the puppeteers, I should say, the way they perform deep. You can see it. She's terrified of herself. She doesn't know what's happening. She's seen visions. Her, her body's changing. She's looked at her hands. She's got those purple veins. She's seen herself on the throne in the castle. She's just entirely tragic. And I think at that last moment, she walks away because she realizes I'm not one of them anymore. I'm not just a normal Gelfling. And maybe she, it, it appeared that, or she realized I'm going to scare them if I stay around. They're not going to know if they can trust me. I don't know if I can trust me. You, in my opinion, you can see that all, all of that playing out in her expressions, in her body language. It's really, really something. And uh, I don't, Deet is Part of my heart and soul is indeed as well as Hup. I mean, she's my next favorite character. And uh, I, I, I don't know what their plans are for her, but oh, she's devastating. And I hope, I hope that uh, she, she survives somehow. I don't know. Like I know the tree definitely talked a lot about like that the darkening can only be uh, transferred. So I don't know. I just have an inkling whether she's going to try and transfer the darkening, but it's just the matter of if she's able to transfer it like a hundred percent, you know, the darkening off her to, to someone else. And I had actually, I had another like little theory about where she could potentially put the darkening, transferring the darkening. I think I talked about previous shows. I'm like, Oh yeah, it could go to Augra. But then I was sort of thinking, I know there was some way that she's actually able to put the darkening to the suns maybe. Cause there is that one sun. I think the, the dying sun which made me think about it's dying, the dying sun. And that sun is purple. And we do see shots of the sun, you know, being that sun being purple, but, you know, transferring it to the sun, like somehow as another way, a crazy little theory that I'm like, Oh, you know, I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> you know, I, I, it's interesting that you bring that up because, Hmm. Is, does she, would Deet naturally try and think, how, how do I get rid of this power? What I think, I speculate, is that that's going to be on her mind. How do I get rid of this power? How do I, who can I give it to? And I think what's going to happen is there, you're going to find out whether it's from some mystic. Maybe she goes to the Valley of the Mystics. I mean, I could see her doing that. Like, she goes to the mystics. She's led there for some, she has knowledge of Thra because she is now more part of Thra than anyone else. So she's led to the Valley of the Mystics and they're like, gentle Deet, this power cannot be given. It has been given to you and you have to live with it. That is a consequence of saying yes. And it's going to be devastating to her and it's going to drive her further away. Um, I think it's going to be a hunt for Deet. That's just my speculation. Again, I have no knowledge of anything. But uh, I think the easy thing for, oh, let's just give it away. If she's able just to give it away, there's not much lost. I think she has to be in peril to really bring us as viewers along and uh, to really make it believable. I guess I just feel bad for Hop because I know like Hop always like wants to protect 
date and um i i just think he's just gonna be shocked like when he, if he if he um sees date like the way that she is like with the darkening sort of you know partly like sort of corrupting corrupted her i think it's gonna be a really shocking moment for hub if you know if we see them both you know reunited and he sees like what's happened to date wouldn't it be interesting if deets um darkening power corrupts her so much that she takes maybe she takes over as emperor of thra maybe it turns her evil maybe it does because she has visions of herself on that throne and maybe the skexists are terrified of her so she enters that castle and she takes over but it then takes over her she has good intentions but the power is too much and she succumbs to it again speculation but i i love the idea that you know, sometimes absolute power corrupts absolutely, and you don't think that power can corrupt something so kind and so beautiful and so and so meek. But sometimes, in reality, whether sometimes you know money is power for people, where you see people who who have been poor and struggling all of their lives, and they're really good people, and then they're given a bunch of money or whatever or a status, and it changes them. Um permanently and uh they're not the same person that they were and maybe that's what transpires with deet where she believes no i'm queen of thra now i'm empress of thra and maybe they go back to power of the dark crystal a little bit and they because in power of the dark crystal jen and kira sort of or jen maybe because is that role a little bit where he's lost his empathy and he he's been he's being corrupted by power maybe that's what happens to deet i don't know because in power like after with um somehow jen and kira like restoring the galflings and we i mean we don't know how that's going to happen but but then after that essentially him and kira they were like asleep for almost a hundred years and um you know while they were asleep all these dark things were sort of happening sort of behind their backs or you know just unaware about how the galflings sort of you know in that era of power sort of got a bit corrupted and whether that could be you know part of the the darkening but then i think by then i think it's going to be interesting whether the darkening is still going to, if that part of the story of the darkening is actually going to be healed or whether it's going to be just with the film that when, you know, when Jen saved, you know, when he put the shard in the crystal, that the, the darkening sort of all disappeared sort of thing. It'll be interesting. Yeah. If the darkening itself is going to be wrapped up within the age of resistance show or not. So that's one thing I'm really curious about. Yeah. How, how that's going to, wrap up for sure um and, and i guess you know one of the other things like with, within the show was sort of at the end as well like talking about sort of the fate of date but also with the heretic and the wanderer and they just seem to have just disappeared as well and so hop's like sort of all by himself at the circle of the suns but then he you know he, he finds that uh you know the activator from law so i think it's it's pretty much a given that he's probably going to try and use law to get out of the circle of the suns and possibly yeah, reunite with um with the heroes with the gelfling heroes so but yeah it was just interesting that um skekra and and ergo they sort of you know left without letting hop know it's like hey i'm heading off <laughs> did skekra um, leave yeah. i don't remember them leaving no no i mean they, they just disappear like oh, you know, oh i see i see yeah yeah because yeah, it's like when you know, after when um, Irva, you know, when he falls out and, and, and hops like, you know, Archer, and he, you know, he goes back 
into the circle of the suns and like those two are gone and um so there is that sort of bit of mystery like what happened to those characters like so it'd be interesting to see i mean hopefully we'll see them in season two i bet you they'll probably ask a lot of questions about that sword as well it's like hey you know about that sword you you made you know it got broken pretty quickly (laughs) yeah that'd be Uh, interesting to see if they address that like in a meta way like hey the sword was supposed to you know be this powerful thing and it really wasn't i mean i think there was a couple of moments where there was some light coming out of the shard wasn't there yeah yeah there is yeah yeah because i mean that was the thing like that was the thing like with olga like she states that 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 is the true shard i know i talked about i think in previous shows i think i might have talked about you know potentially whether it is the right shard at all but olga uh pretty determined that that is the right shard um the lost shard of the crystal and um yeah because i know we talked about you know whether it is the right shard or that sort of thing so but it's cool because it's like you know i mean they got the shard and the shard is sort of you know the way to reunite all the gulflings now you know the shard calls to you and and like august's speech towards the end is so so good uh that we get that like you know you know nothing will ever be the same we've made new enemies and lost old friends but the fallen are not truly gone they have joined the songs of thra once more and listen and you'll hear them in the wind uh but the song has changed it sounds like hope yeah i love sort of how that you know she was doing her speech while we we're seeing all these events that are happening you know with harp and and also seeing what's you know with rian like looking for deet and yeah there's still a lot of questions that are sort of very left over um from the shows and and i mean that that's exciting it's exciting that you know at least they you know certainly hope that we sort of get some resolutions but you know still continue the mysteries of you know of the world of thra and it's gonna be so exciting and yeah again really hoping that that's the season two happens and that you know the jim henson company being involved that they'll be able to sort of wrap up the story as as intended essentially so yeah i mean without further ado i mean this you know i just want to say we'll have to wrap up for this episode of you know all these after shows and again i just want to say thank you so much for listening to all these episodes we just have so much fun like chatting dark crystal and chatting age of resistance and this is really just the beginning of things to come like with with the podcast itself like i mean this year has been pretty incredible year just the things that have happened like with the podcast and for us it has been such it, it has been a real, a real surreal year for us i think we can, we can say about that for sure yeah <laughs> oh yeah what a year what a year i mean a year where dreams have come true for you and for me, not just the show, but our involvement with part of it and who we've met, who we've spoken to, the experience that we, the, the experiences that we've had, the communities that we're involved with and the friends that we've made. Truly, the Dark Crystal has been this very small uh, subset of members or fans and now it's much bigger and we're we're involved with a much larger community of people who are passionate about it i mean you see so many fans making whether it's making figures or t-shirts or pins and people just talking and sharing and showing the love and you see posters and and the community is so much bigger than we could have ever dreamed of and yeah 
you know, I pinch myself about the experiences that I've had this year and the friends that I've made, um, and the people that I've met and the grace that's been extended to me and to you. Um, I, I could never have, I could have never have asked for a better year in that regard. It's just been amazing. I might be essentially jobless and broke, but I've had a great year for dark crystal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think like, you know, all, all the years, like, you know, there's always ups, up, up, ups and downs, you know, with our lives and stuff. But I mean, dark crystal really just made such a big impact to us. And, you know, just one of the greatest moments, uh, for, for this year and for fandom. Um, yeah, especially like, yeah, with all these dark crystal communities with the crystal shard, a dark crystal, uh, fan group, um, which, you know, yeah i mean when the show was sort of coming out we're just getting an influx of new members and new members and and even with the podcast you know where i just get so many people like uh you know listening to you know to us talk about dark crystal and it's it's so crazy that i mean you know that, that i started this you know this little podcast like five years ago and it was at a time where you know i i had hoped that dark crystal would come back i mean they were trying to come back with with the books but um, never imagined that it would come back in such a big way that it has like with the show. So it's just been so, so much fun and, and just being releasing all these episodes like every week has been so much fun. So just wanted to let you all, uh, know that, um, that this is going to be the last episode for the year. Uh, we, we are going to have a bit of a break just on a bit of hiatus, but we'll definitely be coming back in January, late January next year. So, Again, I want to say thank you, everyone, for listening to the show. So while you know we're while we'll be away, you know, on a on a break for a good couple of weeks, there's definitely so much Dark Crystal to look forward to, and and of course, if for any updates like with with the podcast or any news with um good Dark Crystal, you can definitely all see that on our Facebook page while we're on a on a on a, on a, on a short hiatus break. So, and there's so much more to come. Interviews with up with agra with so many people um there's just so much in store yeah definitely yeah yeah we've just got so much to look forward to and even like you know even throughout the year like i mean we are getting these dark crystal comics every month so there's there's still going to be so much to discuss and and a lot of interviews to come it's um i think you know well you know 2019 was just a fantastic year um but i think you know there's definitely things to look forward to in 2020. Yeah. It's just going to be, yeah, just incredible years to come. So, and, and again, you know, Jamie, I just want to say, you know, thank you so much, you know, for, for being on the show and, and being part of, part of the trial by stone as well. So it's, it's been so much fun. Yeah. Of course, man. Like without Phil, I, before I met Phil and I've said this before, but I'm just going to remind everyone, cause this is our last episode for the year. Before I met Phil, I wasn't a podcaster. I was looking to see if there was a Dark Crystal podcast because I thought, oh, maybe somebody should start one. And then I met Phil and he's and I was like, you should call it the Podly. He's like, oh, I've actually already started it and it's called Trial by Stone. And I'm like, what an awesome name. Um, I'm sure I could probably find that conversation somewhere. And then a few months after Phil started this podcast, I started Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast, which is huge for me. I mean, it's it's the it's a huge podcast now, and uh, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing without you, Phil. So thank you. Oh, that's okay. No, no, no worries. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just fun, just like talking about you know things that 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 we're really close to, and 
I mean, we're both very closely connected to, I mean, we have a love for Star Wars, of course, but I mean, Dark Crystal is something that we're, that really connects us really deeply. And it's same like with all your other podcasts that you do, like, you know, that you're also deeply connected to, to the Alien films. And also, you know, with Shoulder of Orion, like with, uh, with Blade Runner as well, um, you know, with Blade Runner being, you know, you know, you've been, been a big year. I mean, you know, celebrating 2019, the year that the very first film sort of takes place. So yeah, so fandom has sort of been like an, an all time high for us all here. So it's just, um, it's been pretty incredible. And yeah, again, just got so much to look forward to. Um, the podcast isn't going anywhere. So there's a lot of um, episodes and um, just discussions and things to look forward to um, for sure. So again, I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in and um, definitely stay tuned for more episodes of Trial by Stone in 2020. Trial by Stone, the Dark Crystal podcast is a production of Three Point Edit. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can do so at darkcrystalpodcast at gmail.com. You can also like us on Facebook, follow on Twitter and Instagram, and subscribe on YouTube. If you'd like to know more about the podcast, visit our website at www.darkcrystalpodcast.com. Thank you so much and stay tuned for the next episode of Trial by Stone.